Welcome to Business Leader Breakthroughs, where we help unlock the potential in you, your teams, and your business. I'm your host, Ryan Castle, along with Dr. Mike Ashby. We share insights, experiences, and stories on achieving breakthrough success in business and life. In addition to a podcast, The Breakthrough is a coaching and advisory business that provides programs for business leaders, owners, and managers to develop your skills and capabilities to boost your business and enjoy a better life. To learn more, click the link in the episode show notes or go to thebreakthrough.co. Now let the breakthroughs begin. Hi there, welcome along to this episode of the Breakthrough Leaders podcast. Uh, Mike, nice of you to join me again. Nice to be here. You're doing a good a job change. of that. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. it's good. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to chat today about growing businesses. And it's something we do a lot with our clients, helping them understand how they can grow. Uh, it seems to be that it's a very common aspiration for businesses. Mm. We don't come across too many that don't want to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not always obsessed with growing revenue. We like growing profit, uh, particularly as a, as a measure. But thinking about how do we uh, actually grow an organisation? Mm. I think we often get uh, trapped in the sense of you know kind of overwhelm. I'm just kind of keeping up with today's today's business, yep. and we help them a lot thinking about what's the frameworks that they might be able to use to think about not just today's business mm. but what tomorrow's might might look like. Mm. What's been your experience, Mike, with uh, clients in that space? Well, funny you should say that. Because I had this conversation yesterday with a couple of business owners. He replied replied to a recent blog and he said, just thought you'd like to know that, you know, as part of the program, you asked us to kind of write down an unthinkable goal, something that neither, neither I nor anyone else thought we'd achieve. And he said, I just want to report in that I have uh, just sold the business for, um, and he's 55, I think. Uh, he's currently off in the US somewhere. He's actually, I didn't realise until I caught up with his, um, well, his son has taken over and, right. and, and another guy. Mm-hmm. Roger has been travelling the world for the last four or five years. Has Good lad. Oh, hasn't been involved at all. That number that he wrote down, he said, you might be interested to know that the revenue that we achieved on sale was four times that number. Wow. Yeah. So four times what he initially thought was unthinkable. Correct. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's a smart guy, but you know the the program just helped him structure yeah. his thinking about right. how and where to grow. One of the things he did was he did an acquisition, yeah. so you know let's get that one on kind of on the table straight away. And, and was it some kind of like sexy high growth tech company where they had massive multiples and it was, it, that was kind of um, it is an exterior washing right company right yeah they wash the outsides of dirty buildings. Mm. Houses too. Mm-hmm. Um, so not something we typically associate with being a high growth industry. Not a high growth. And in fact, they're not even very big businesses. Um, they're very, very profitable. Mm. So to the point, mm. you know, why was he able mm. to kind of travel the world on fairly modest revenue? Because mm. it was wonderfully profitable. profitable. Yes. Wonderful profitable. And, yes. and his acquisition was the next door neighbor franchise. Mm. So, you know, Again, it wasn't any kind of great um, global monopoly, private mm-hmm. monopoly thing. Mm-hmm. It was just um, smart thinking, well-run businesses. Mm. Oh, look, I think we've uh, both of us have reflected where uh, with the boards we've been on, we've seen mm. organisations that have massively grown their revenue mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. reduced their profit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, I'm working with a company right now who had... You know, kind of let's get out there and grow. We're going to grow threefold in the next five years. And they acquired this and they acquired that. And 
just all fell to bits, mm. seriously fell to mm. bits. And that team is now gone. Right, mm. right, mm. right. Which mm. is not to say that acquisition can't be done well, uh, no. but it's just uh, growing revenue for the sake of growing revenue yeah. is not always the uh, smartest path. We had this conversation about trying to create a kind of a, a vision statement, and we were really struggling because the component bits of the organisation, whenever we tried to say, you know, we're in this industry, well, yes, but this part's in that industry, and or else we kind of go really high level to be completely meaningless. <laughs> yeah. And it occurred to me, I said, oh, the problem we've got here is we're trying to kind of do a market-driven vision when this was not a market-driven acquisition. This was a shareholder-driven acquisition. Mm -hmm. This was to boost the revenue ahead of sale. Mm -hmm. There was no other logic to it. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to kind of bash a, a, a square peg into a round hole. Mm -hmm. So we, we, did some, we did some other stuff. We got around it. But it was a really interesting kind of... Yeah, no, there is no logic to it. There's not. We can't kind of retrofit a, mm. a, a market logic to something that was driven by completely different, mm. completely different imperative. Okay, so if we are looking to grow our businesses mm -hmm. and we have aspirations uh, higher than the five percent more on last yep. year's budget, yep. you know, we want to be a little more um, broad thinking than that. What's a framework we might be able to use to help with that thinking? We use something that was developed many, many years ago, like I think forty years ago, called right. the Insoft Matrix, right. and it's just a really simple way of thinking about your sources of growth. Look, again, I used it yesterday with these guys. They said, well, we, you know, we just want a couple more big customers. Um, so in the Ainsoft matrix, that is existing product to new customers. Yep. And we talked about, we talked a little bit about how to acquire those, you know, how do we look for those? Um, and, and my advice around that was quite simply, well, who are your best customers now? Mm -hmm. Who are your top five? Who are some other companies like that? Yep. And that got to be quite an interesting conversation mm -hmm. because it turns out you know, they're not so much direct customers as through management services companies. Right. Okay, so that's a different proposition. Mm -hmm. You know, Who's got the contracts mm -hmm. of the, mm -hmm. the, the dirty buildings, etc. Mm -hmm. As a piece of thinking about it, that wasn't that hard. It's kind of, you know, find more mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, so just to maybe lay out the framework, the Ansoft matrix, yep. you know, Google it. Uh, it's a it's a great tool that I've used a lot in my coaching as yep. well. But yep. just to lay it out, you really think about uh, the two uh, axes being products and markets, yep. and then there are new and existing versions That's of right. each. So there's new products, new markets, existing products, existing markets. You always end up with four different uh, quadrants yep. out of that. And it just, yeah, I've equally used it as a great framework just to go, where could we grow? Mm. And I've found it really helps uh, owners and leaders think mm. about those different areas that they could get into. Mm. Actually, I suppose as I think about that, I've used markets and customers pretty much interchangeably. Yes. So I've got yep. new products. Yep. And what I was talking with these guys about yesterday was, so they were talking about existing products, new customers. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. That's the... Um, market development. Market development. Yep. Yeah, that's but the other bit that we did talk about quite specifically was, well, what other services can you provide to your existing customers? You've developed this reputation with them in this relationship, which mm -hmm. is gold. Mm -hmm. You have proven yourself. Have you got other services that you can then provide to them Correct. that don't go too far away from mm -hmm. the core? Because mm -hmm. they're a bit, a bit nervous about that. <laughs> they used a lovely example. They said, oh, 
we'd been cleaning the exterior of, of uh, one place and we noticed that their gutterings were leaking a lot of rain mm -hmm. in this part of the world. Mm -hmm. And so clearly the facility service people hadn't been doing that job. So they sent a truck down and got the guy to clean out the guttering and fix it, you know, patch mm -hmm. it up. And they reported this to the customer and they said, oh, we're so sick of the guy who's been doing that, you know, the, the crowd that's been doing mm -hmm. that. Do you want the contract? Without moving very far away from their corridor, it's just a little bit of redefinition. You're not just an exterior washing company, you are a, you know, a building maintenance company. And that includes, well, you know, in the course of a few minutes, we identified there was all of that kind of guttering maintenance. There was all of the window cleaning exterior. Oh, actually window cleaning interior. Mm -hmm. You know, there were actually a range of services mm -hmm. that uh, you didn't have to expand your infrastructure. You didn't have to expand your overhead. You could do it profitably and effectively uh, all inside that relationship. Mm -hmm. And so that was a case of new product to existing customers. Yes. And it is a whole lot easier isn't it? It is, it is so much easier. You know, the acquisition of new customers that you have no relationship, no trust, no credibility yeah. with is so much harder mm. than selling a new mm. service that can help out your existing customer. Oh, totally. And yeah. we found this, you know, we found that we've just over time evolved with customers, developed new products with them. Mm. Um, and so a lot of our, a lot of our members are people who've been with us for many, many years mm. as a consequence. Mm. I think the, uh, the caution here is, uh, because one customer thinks that's a good idea, yeah. it's really good to go and validate the market. So yeah. get out, talk to some of your other customers and going, yeah. this is the experience I just had with this yeah. customer. Yeah. They've that's asked right. us to look at doing guttering and window cleaning and, and whatever other services. Yeah. If we were to bring something to market like that, would that be of interest to you? Because yeah. uh, I think we can fall into the trap of going, we've got a market of one at the moment. Mm, Let's right. go and add people, infrastructure, more tools, more you know, yeah. things into the mix to get it get it going and if you haven't validated that properly you can can fall into a into a trap and by the way what you've described as we know is actually one of the most wonderful ways to have a prospecting conversation it's actually totally. a sales conversation totally. in drag <laughs> the other conversation we've been having lately is around price yes and pricing strategy mm. uh, and in a couple of places we've had this conversation it's been very kind of Oh, and it's such a fundamental. And the, and the conversation we had the other day was, oh, you know, I've, I've always kind of gone in on keeping our prices up, right? Not being, don't want to be the cheapest, et cetera, et cetera. In this case, a new competitor's come into the market. They are pricing aggressively because the two strategies for pricing are really simple. There's price for profit and there's price for share. Mm -hmm. And both are legit. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I remember that when I was on a kiwifruit packing mm -hmm. company mm -hmm. and PSA had just struck, it was a major disease and it wiped out a whole lot of the crop. Uh, it was gonna be a race to the bottom. The, the market just wanted lower prices. And we were in a- Help it, me understand the economics of that. Why would, if there was a smaller crop of fruit available, why was it going to push price down? I would have thought they would push price up. Because there was way more supply of storage space. All oh, right, so got it, got it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that drove price yes, down. Yeah, got it. Yeah. So it was on the storage mm -hmm. side. Yeah. So uh, in fact, in the market, of course, the, the, the kiwi fruit price yes. did go up um, because of the scarcity. But so we were in locked in a kind of a, a competition with with a company, and we actually had a meeting about potential mergers, and they complained about the fact that we were driving the price down. And I actually said, "Oh, 
we're going to be doing that again this year. This year, aren't we? And they kind of, oh, no. And, and it wasn't long after that that we effected a merger. Um, it was it was a takeover. Mm -hmm. you know, they had nowhere to go. They couldn't mm -hmm. compete on price. So that, you know, it doesn't matter how attached you are to your quality and, and all of that stuff. There are times when you need share. And one of those times is when you're thinking about going into a new market. Mm -hmm. Now, the way these new entrants have come into the market, how else were they going to turn the heads and take business away from the incumbents? You've got to go in there with some reason. And, and you know, this is that they had just lost a tender. They, their price was about the same as the incumbent. Their quality was a bit higher, but they didn't have the relationship. They weren't known to them. They were a strong second. Mm -hmm. We hate strong mm -hmm. second. Strong mm -hmm. second totally mm. sucks, right? Mm. A lot of work in the tender, a huge amount of work. If they'd gone in at 15 to 20% less, they could have still made money, not as much, but mm -hmm. they could have made money, and they would have got the work. Mm -hmm. So you've got to give in that kind of a, you know business acquisition, you've got to give a new customer a reason to switch. Mm -hmm. And that's usually, that's usually price. Mm -hmm. Because unless they're really clear about the quality mm -hmm. they need, that's kind of, it's not quite quality schmolity. You know, you might have a very defective incumbent, yep. but you're still got to be able to yep. turn their heads. In a uh, upcoming podcast, we'll actually talk about the competitive tripod, as we mm. call it, where mm. there are really only, only three ways you can compete in market, mm. being price, the effectiveness of your product or service or customer experience. Mm. And uh, we'll talk about the rules around, around mm. that. And I think uh, that is such a great guideline for then how mm. you think about price. Yep. And pricing into a market to get share initially yes. doesn't have to be your pricing strategy no, for the long that's term. Correct. That's just that's a, correct. So we might start off with a pricing for share strategy and then we move correct. to a pricing for profit. Yeah, yeah. And there's an old saying, when on price, keep on service. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, a goodie. So new products to new customers? Oh, don't do it. <laughs> it is definitely the highest highest risk. Yeah. You, you are dealing with people you don't know with a product or service that you are not fundamentally expert in, in yet. Uh, there is uh, areas where diversification or that strategy of new products to new markets is uh, really valid, uh, but it would only be a portion of your growth strategy, I think, yeah. going going forward. You might be looking at uh, what we'd refer to as your Horizon 2 or Horizon 3 models in your business, thinking, you know, probably the 18 months to three years out, mm. going, where is our market moving, what's going on? And you might be going, look, the market we're in is very mature. It's mm. starting to move into decline. Yep, into commodity. To commodity. Yep. Actually, our ability to further grow that market is is going to be limited. Mm. So our near-term growth might be in one of those other strategies we've already talked about. Mm. And now we need to start exploring diversification. Mm. One of the mistakes I hear people make, including myself, is uh, we think about the opportunity. We think, oh, yeah, they, they would probably buy that kind of service. And unfortunately, the answer is that is so true. They do, and it's called they from an incumbent. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. they already buy that stuff. We we look at it and see what we've got and see their need and think it's a match. There's already somebody there. Mm. You know, that's one of the things to work through at the diversification is do the validation piece really carefully. Yeah. Do the work. Yeah. Take the time because it is 
the highest risk. It's, got, it's the highest likelihood of falling over. So I think in our uh, do's and don'ts around this, so use the Ansoft matrix as a bit of a framework. Mm-hmm. It'll help unlock some thinking about where you can do and, and what you can uh, do. Think about staying away from diversification as your main growth yeah. strategy. Have yeah. an element possibly in there, but don't yeah. make it your, your main. It's like your venture capital investment. You know, It should be money you're prepared to lose. Yes. Or effort you're prepared to, to waste. Mm. Uh, in the uh, what not to do, a trap I've seen organisations fall into often is going, or oh, we want another big customer. You reference mm-hmm. that as a, as a mm-hmm. scenario. Actually dig into just how profitable your biggest customer is. Yeah, sure. Often they're the ones that exert the most influence over your organisation. Mm-hmm. If they're a significant part of your revenue, they tend to be the ones that ask for the sharpest pricing. Uh, you're over-servicing them possibly because yeah. they're, you, you perceive them to be so important. And we have seen members of ours that once they've done that review of mm. what they thought was their most important customer, mm. they've actually gone... <clears throat> Mm, now that we think about it, that customer is costing us money. We'd actually be better off letting them go, yeah. freeing up the resource to then allocate to more profitable yeah. customers. Yeah. So yeah. that could result in you having a smaller top line revenue, yeah. but a way more, more profitable profit. business mm. and a uh, business that your team actually enjoys working in because we've also found that often your biggest customer is your most demanding. Well, one of the things that we did yesterday, even in the brief conversation, I hadn't met these guys before, it was just a kind of general conversation, but you know, there's a, there's a very large dairy company and they are, um, you know, everybody thinks great, great potential, so big, et cetera, et cetera. They are diabolical. It is a cemetery for small businesses. Throw their weight around like the schoolyard bully. 90 day terms, always driving the price down, always insisting on possible kind of service standards. But, you know, we're this company, we're the giant, mm. and mm-hmm. you get the, the privilege mm-hmm. of supplying <laughs> us your blood, sweat, <laughs> and your firstborn. We'll have oh, that right. too. Yeah, so they, these guys were smart enough to say, no, nah, we won't be doing that. Which is, you know, and that's that's a really good decision. Yeah. Superb. So team, we'd really like to hear back from you on uh, comments around this podcast. Uh, if you think there's uh, members in your uh, circle, your network that could uh, get some assistance from this podcast, we'd love to see you share it out to them. Share Comment back. Uh, if you've got your own insights into good growth models that you've used successfully in your own business, we'd love to hear back from those. We're always looking to uh, learn ourselves. Thanks for joining us today. 